This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that was my fault. There we go. Oh, she does it again. Welcome back to another episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Lure. I'm Britton, and I'm joined as always by Richie and Bobby. Hit it. He's got the four play turkey call. I think he's excited. He wouldn't let me use the duck call this morning. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think that's the last time you're going to hear that this year. But uh, <laughs> great work, as always, You know, coming out of a long, what seemed like a long Christmas break. There's always that weird week in between Christmas and New Year's and uh, finally kind of getting back in the swing of things. Yeah, finally. You've been sick. Yeah, I got the plague. I think it was like avian bird flu or something. It... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I almost checked myself in the hospital just to make sure I was going to be okay. I don't do that either. I, I've been ill. You look ill. <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, no, the, the work from home life, you kind of just kind of roll out of bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. Oh, How about you, Bobby? Great. <laughs> That's just great. Uh, no, I got the plague from Bobby over Christmas. No, 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 no. Let's get this turned around straight. You <laughs> gave it to me and Kimberly, and now, you know, we've been fighting it for the last week and a half. Oh, man. Yeah. Kimberly a, sounds like a... It's the definition of a crud. Uh, yeah, it's kind of gnarly. People have been getting earaches, you know, sicker than a dog. Yeah. I've, I've lucked out because I have emergency... <laughs> and it helps so i've just been coughing but kimberly's been coughing it sounds horrible i'm not sick i'm, I'm on the bed though yeah that's good <laughs> i'll probably washing get, hands probably helps i'll probably get it from bobby that uh, breakfast burrito though was pretty good this morning <laughs> bobby brought best <sighs> breakfast burritos to go along with our special coffee got my wood family spirits columbia bourbon flowing you know i'm uh i tried to do the you know the whole dry january thing I'm pretty sure I lasted like 13 hours. <laughs> that and, was while uh, you were sleeping. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I also have my special coffee, but I, I don't have any uh, beverage inside of it right now. Oh, hey, this Just is this is a coffee. podcast. This, you're supposed to be what? What? Yeah. I see the you old, got your the special only issue. Is I woke up to three inches of snow, and down here. That doesn't go over very well. Yeah, no and, kidding. Uh, that basically shut everything down. After this down. podcast, I have to drive down into Vancouver and deal with the crazies on the road to get my back worked on. Oh, okay. Well, we'll give him <laughs> so a pass. So I'm being responsible. Time. Yeah. He's that's got very, his. He's got his. Unusual. It is, isn't it? Yeah. He's got his special coffee cup, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm branding. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> pretty good <laughs> so on today's podcast we have chris marklin a maxer pro staffer and avid ice fisherman who's going to talk about uh, ice fishing throughout uh, washington state and you know talk about some of the, the trout endeavors that he's uh, going after and uh it sounds like richie had a good conversation with him so we're excited to talk about that what else have you guys been up to i've been doing a little bird hunting but it's not been great 
Yeah, I've been doing a little bit, but we with this snow, uh, it's definitely going to help the upland bird. I mean, that'll be fantastic, and you know, we'll probably start getting some of those northern birds down on the uh, on the river. So all of it, all of it's going to help. It's I think it's supposed to be what three tomorrow. It's supposed to be pretty cold yeah. by thursday night and friday yeah. night are in the single digits yeah. looks like anyway they may change it who knows but it's supposed to snow every day ah uh, yeah some yep yeah 40, 40 to 70 percent yeah day. It, it should be good i i hope so I, only thing is you said all your snow went away yeah uh, ours ours did downtown that that wind yes last night yeah. just absolutely just wiped everything out and it's just frozen solid up here today it was all it was raining on top of the snow and now it's frozen solid but yeah i mean having a little bit of snow would super super help for the yeah. for the upland bird hunting i went out and um filmed part of a show bobby and i did with uh shelby and uh yeah, it looked like you guys did did really good yeah we went out potholes shot some ducks it was a really good day it was raining when we got up that morning got out there so had wind and rain and uh the birds were on the move and we we shot pretty well we got yeah. like 21 birds i think and then we were gonna you know try to shoot a cast and blast and the casting didn't go as well as we had hoped <laughs> yeah the, the lures didn't work lures 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 didn't work we tried all kinds of things so it wasn't just yeah it wasn't we, we, ne we never got bit wasn't, Once. wasn't a max lure problem it was a uh yeah. pressure yeah issue would be my guess <laughs> typical yeah I, I love those excuses we uh we also <laughs> went out and did some duck hunting out yeah. of potholes with shelby bobby and i before you guys went and uh had a good day too so yeah, yeah that was fun to get out there and do that with those guys it was with uh Dwayne and and them and had a good time yeah i don't i don't think uh Shelby and Levi have been near as busy as they've been in years past because they had open weekdays available so we could go out there and bug them in the middle of their season so it was fun yeah but the the hunting's been good out there so if anyone listening wants to go do that and make them more busy uh you can do so and contact them at rossoutdoorsadventures.com or find them on Facebook or the same thing look at that little plug yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that's good though um it, it's a great yeah, it's a great experience if you've never done something like that. And Shelby, he's got it all set up, you know, really nice blinds, and he'll treat you well in the blind. Good food and drink, and <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I mean, ninety percent of it's you know coming over for those duck kebabs. <laughs> I know, I know, they're awesome. You, you basically just sit there all morning and wait for him to break out the charcoal stove, and then you know it's on. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, and if you want to do a self-guided hunt out there too, uh, he's got it all set up to, you know, you'll get out there in the morning, your, you know, decoys will be out there for you. They'll leave you with a kayak to go retrieve your ducks if you don't have a dog. And uh, it's a really cool operation that he has going out there and has been doing for years. So that's the, that's the duck taxi part of the, yeah, the duck taxi, duck taxi, take you to where you can shoot some birds and leave you. I there, think, were, there were so, a few birds. Uh, in there. there were a few birds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, you know, there's there's really been nothing going on with this, with the way the weather's been. You know, it's been so so mild that, you know, like Richie said, uh, the bird hunting has been horrible this winter, and hopefully with this cold spell and the snow and everything, it, it's going to pick up a little bit. We've still got a, a few weeks left in 
of upland birds and uh, then obviously ducks and geese go a little bit longer yeah so other than you know upland birds we were hoping to do some ice fishing and el nino hasn't cooperated we were planning on doing something out at you know fish lake and that uh seems to be delayed for a little while so we're getting ready to kind of go into our show season all of a sudden which seems like it came up extremely quickly yeah yeah it's right on top of us here i i was working on prepping gear and stuff yesterday and thinking oh crap i don't have much time left bobby he's got a fun thing to do <laughs> yeah. yeah let's talk about what that. what are you working on bobby <laughs> billy dumped it in my lap and and wanted me to acquire the walleye for the walleye tank over at the puyallup show <laughs> so fortunately we we've got some really good you know, people, Eric Broughton and um, Jim Davis, Jaime, you know, all of these guys, you know, they're, they're more than willing to help out. So it looks like it, the state really stepped up and uh, we, they're, they're going to come in and uh, pick the fish up and, oh. and transport them for us nice. in a fish truck over to the show. So right now we are... Uh, I've got to talk to everybody this afternoon, but uh, as of this afternoon, we're going to start getting some fish. We've got a uh, stock tank set up with uh, aerators in them. Nice. So we're going to... You're making progress. We're making progress. <laughs> I was sweating it the other day, yeah. I'm going to tell you what. Before before I got a hold of uh, Ken Behan, who's the head of the uh, warm water fisheries for uh, WDFW here in the state... Um, Man, I was sweating. Yeah, I just I had no idea how to transport. You know. Yeah, that's a tough one. Oh man! And you look at walleye wrong, and they belly up. Oh, so, jeez. So yeah. Anyhow, that that uh, that looks like uh, looks like it's going to be a go. Everything's yeah. going forward. So they're going to have a walleye in the in the walleye tank. They'll be doing walleye seminars, and we're working on trying to do ice seminars oh, for nice. this upcoming year. You know, ice fishing has become a, a, a much bigger thing out here in the Pacific Northwest the last few years and is kind of a growing faction because of the fact that, you know, a lot of other fisheries are closed down now. Yeah. yeah. And people are looking for something. So even the guys, you know, over on the west side uh, are coming over here. I mean, on any given weekend when it's froze, Fish Lake, you know, looks like a shanty town. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It looks like it's out of yeah. the Midwest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's... Uh, it's something that that uh, people are really looking at doing something, yeah. and quite truthfully, for a family, you know, it, it's relatively cheap to get into, you know, rod reel combo for fifteen bucks, yep. you know, type thing. And you need a five gallon bucket, and, yeah. uh, and something to drill a hole, and you're you're set. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's kind of a neat thing, and it, and it's new, obviously, for us out here, right? Because we, you know. <laughs> We're known as steelhead and salmon, right. therefore, you know, why look at anything else? Mm -hmm. Well, let's face it, you know, people are looking to do something. Right. When they can't go fish for steelhead and salmon, um, they're going to they're gonna try and find something. I mean, that's why kokanee grew as much as it Yeah, did. exactly. So. Yeah, so that's the Washington Sportsman Show in Puyallup, and it starts uh, January 31st, which yeah. is a Wednesday, I believe, and yeah. that goes through the weekend. So come over and check out the max lure tank yeah 
Yeah, we'll have seminars at it with a bunch of Maxler Pro staff talking, you know, all sorts of Columbia River walleye fishing. And yeah, like Bobby said, try to get some of the ice guys up uh, on top of the tank, demonstrating some some jigging techniques and, and ways to locate fish through the ice. And obviously something we've primarily focused on over the years and, you know, weather hasn't cooperated as much as we'd like it to, to, to get out there and get the families out there, you know, ice fishing, but um, skills that you can uh, bring over to the next year as well. If uh, you're not able to get out this year, Damn. are they, they're, are they taking the tank down to Portland as well? I don't know. I, I, they're not going to use the tank at Portland. Yeah. So, you know, if if you've never seen a walleye before, you got to come out to Puyallup. Yeah, awesome. Yep. Bob, I'll, I'll Bobby also, the fish gatherer. Yeah, Bobby the fish gatherer. I'll also be doing a kokanee seminar at, at Puyallup, talking about kokanee fishing here in um, Washington. And then I have three separate hunting seminars on deer and elk hunting. So come you know, check those out. That's something that we should be doing. We should be up on Chelan right now. You know, that's... Chelan is starting to produce some nice fish. Some really nice fish. I know. We need to get a hold of Jeffrey and go. Yeah. Boy, I'd like to do that. I don't want to do it when it's two degrees. No, no. We should have done it last week. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Typical. When there was terrible bird hunting, we should have called Jeffrey and went up. No kidding. No no heaters, though, right? No heaters with Jeff, no. Well, unless he's changed. Unless he's gotten soft. Oh, he's got a heater in there. Oh, is he getting soft? Oh, Oh, he's had a heater in there forever. Years ago, you guys gave me all sorts of crap because I posted a picture of me getting my hands warm by the heater. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that was apparently a no-go, but it it seemed more like an initiation process. Yeah. (laughs) I think he's gotten soft. He's he's uh, melted more than one set of uh, bibs <laughs> by the heater. Yeah. Oh, we, uh, in the Mac Attack this month, I uh, published an article by Jason Brooks talking all about you know winter kokanee and it being you know one of the premier you know winter kokanee fisheries because and we've talked about it quite a bit before people really started hitting Chelan in the winter. Not kokanee seemed to be somewhat of a, a non-winter event, and uh, you know Chelan's kind of changed that a little bit. Oh, definitely. Chelan's a major anomaly because there's a lot of fisheries that don't fish. I mean, that just don't fish. Not really sure what that reason is because nobody really spends any time to figure it out. But Chelan Chelan has always fished during the winter. I mean, it's a big lake, for one, so it doesn't freeze over. Mm -hmm. It's not turning over. Nope. But it does set up a thermocline in deep water, and those fish go there. And so I think that... To me personally, I think that's the reason. I yeah. think that's why that happens. Oh, I, I I agree with you. Yeah, totally agree. And this time of year, you're usually fishing them real deep, right? Yeah, you're, you're fishing a hundred feet, hundred to two hundred feet. Yeah, and part of the re- being able to target those fish to that depth, you know, helps obviously the lake's so deep, but it, it's still clear down there. You know, we've dropped cameras down at 150 feet down there, and you can still see perfectly blue. I've yeah. dropped them at 200 and. 52 feet something yeah, like that you can still see and you can oh you can see great yeah it's absolutely cr- that great. lake is crazy yeah. for clarity it's just yeah. crazy i did i did catch a fish though that the deepest kokanee i've ever caught was 247 feet Jeez. did his eyeballs pop out when he came yeah. up <laughs> he wasn't happy i bet he wasn't yeah i think that's about how deep richie and i were fishing for those walleye up at roosevelt too <laughs> pretty pretty close <laughs> pretty damn close <laughs> oh god all right, well, we're going to jump into uh, our interview with Chris Markland to expand on a little bit of this ice fishing talk. And when we get back, we will uh, wrap up and uh, share some news and notes and all that fun stuff. So we'll be right back. 
Well, today I'm visiting with a wildland firefighter, a forester, and an avid outdoorsman, Chris Marcolin. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Richie. Glad to be here. Thanks uh, for taking time to visit with me. We're going to talk about ice fishing today. That's kind of our goal. But uh, before we get started, it might be good for our listeners just to hear a little bit about you, uh, where where you live and, and what you like doing. Now I'm up in the Okanagan area, living out of OMAC. Uh, I've been in the county about 20, 25 years, really enjoyed up there. Prior to that, I was on the west side working uh, in timber over there for about four years. I play, I uh, pretty much call Grand Coulee uh, where I grew up as my home. That's where you grew up is here in Grand Coulee, which by the way, that's where we are. We're in, as Britain would say, the Herod Outdoors North location. So you, you grew up here. Yep. Grew up here uh, all, uh, every year in school and uh, ended up going to college in Spokane to pick up a little more education before I got on to a career. Right. And so you and I have crossed paths in the past because we've been uh, fighting fire together, haven't we? Yep. Uh, many times. And uh, I still remember some of those fires that we were on and uh, good memories. Most of them good memories. Yeah, most of them good memories. There were some bad things, of course, in our career that uh, that you hope no one goes through. But that's the way it is. That's the way it is into the wildland world. But uh, that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about ice fishing, and well, you know what? This year kind of sucks. Uh, it, it's looking that way. I'm, I'm trying to be patient. You know, I, I came off a real strong year last year when we had upwards of three months of good ice, and it, it, it's just going to be hard to match that two years in a row. The way the weather's working out with the changes in weather patterns, it, it's going to be a while before I'm comfortable out there. Yeah, that's just the way it's gone this year we've had really warm weather you know being an el nino year uh, it's just wet and kind of warm and we haven't really had much we had a couple of cool downs probably got a little bit of ice here and there but one of the things for listeners to really pay attention to this year is the fact that ice is going to kind of come and go and so you know we want folks to be safe on the ice and before we got started with this we were talking about some kind of horror stories about what's happened in the past so uh what are some things that folks should be paying attention to for safety on the ice probably the biggest thing looking at ice is trying to get up in the higher elevations where that ice is older and where it's thicker where you've got a solid sheet under you um right now we're getting getting rain on top of that right now so uh uh, that ice forming is taking just a little bit longer and and so i I would definitely be targeting those higher elevation, colder areas in the region. Yeah, that's exactly right. So the places that you might normally go here in north central Washington or wherever you're listening to that you ice fish, it's not going to quite be the same because we just really haven't had enough cold weather that has been continuous. And so you really need to pay attention to the ice. And one of the things we're talking about is... uh, you know that you can maybe get ice out in the center, but around the edges, right, is where you have the thinnest ice. That's right. When when the sun's baking down through that ice, it's, it's doing nothing but warming up underneath the ice, and that water temperature is is actually uh, it's going to be harder to keep up the uh, healthy ice out there. Yeah, some of these lowland lakes, I would be surprised if they're going to be safe before February. Uh, generally, we're looking at those higher elevation lakes, like Bonaparte Lake is a good one. Uh, Sidley Lake, Molson Lake, even Fancher's Dam. Some of those will actually come on early in December. But uh, this year, those have been delaying as well. So I'm looking forward to getting getting out on those first. A little concerned. I mean, here we are, you know, right before Christmas at the time of this recording. 
and even up at the, on the plateau there where I was bird hunting this afternoon, it was only 37 degrees. And the snow that was out there was just slush. And so, uh, yeah, we need to get some cold weather. So, Chris, what kinds of uh, fishing do you like to do when you're ice fishing? Generally, I really enjoy the perch and burbot fishing in years like this where it's a lot harder to find ice to do that. You know, Banks Lake is one of my favorite burbot lakes, Palmer Lake. There's some other ones over in the uh, Ponderé country as well that I've enjoyed. But uh, this time of year, I'm, I'm going to be targeting the trout first, uh, multi-species, whether it's uh, eastern brook, rainbow trout, or even the tiger trout, which is a cross between the brown and the eastern brook. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, uh, targeting some of those lakes and maybe do some pre-fishing for some tournaments coming up in January. Okay, let's talk about where you find trout. When you go to these lakes, what are the kinds of features that you're looking for where you can target trout? Well, even before I get to the lake, um, I try and look up some navigable charts online to see what kind of depths we're looking at. If there's any other information on what type of feed might be in the lake, I try to do some research ahead of time. A lot of the lakes that I've been fishing, I've been to them before, so I, I kind of target those areas where the feed is going to be. And uh, with the trout, certain species prefer that shallow depth between 5 to 12 feet. So I'll be targeting those areas first just to check them out to see what kind of a fishery pattern we have. A lot of times your eastern brook and tiger trout will be in those tules or even some of the downwoody material that's underneath some structure. And then most of the time those are going to be located on your shallow points out from a deep bay system. So that's, that's kind of what I look for, uh, trying to pattern where those fish, where their swim patterns might be coming into feed areas. That's really good, Chris. You know, it's it's very similar to when we have open water and we've talked about this before on the podcast if you're trying to target trout in open water their trout are they're hunters so they're in those shallows they're looking for food they're cruising along the the bank they're near tules those kinds of things so the same applies when we're ice fishing Um, let's talk about what you use so all right, we kind of know where to go and look for them. Uh, now, what kind of gear are we going to use? It's funny you mentioned that. I had a friend of mine, a uh, fellow firefighter. He's, he's uh, getting into it with his kid. The other day we were talking about that. What is the best tool to invest in when you're going out auger, you know, when you're checking, taking the kid out ice fishing? And I had to think about it because there's so many things that make up a kit to go out fishing. Uh, it's fairly inexpensive to get into, but... It can be elaborate too when you get when you think about ice huts, when you think about a, a powered auger, a heater, your sled. How are you going to get out on the ice? But generally, it, it's not that bad to get into. So um, my answer to him was, if you're going to be in deep ice, you probably want a power auger. That's going to save you a lot of headache. You're going to be able to move. If the fish aren't there, you can you can pull up and go up to a. Uh, a different part of the lake and drill some more holes so yeah but generally um yeah the ice auger uh a sled to pack everything plenty of snacks if you're bringing the kids out you know <laughs> things like that that make it more of a comfortable trip for for the kiddos so. when you watch ice fishing on tv you see all the gear that's associated with it and if you and if you go fishing with uh, the Schindelards, which I have a lot, they come with a lot of gear. But in, in fact, you really don't need that much. Yeah. You, you really just need the basics. And, 
And like you say, a, a sled that you can carry your stuff out, maybe a bucket to sit on, some warm clothes, and uh, I would definitely say a power auger. Now, I know Bobby Schindelar r- really likes to use, he uses a drill, and he has a really nice auger that he just uh, is very sharp that he puts on his drill, and we just, we can punch holes everywhere, and to me, that's sort of the way to go. How about uh, terminal tackles? So we get out there, we punch some holes, we got our warm clothes, sitting on a bucket, we're trout fishing. What do you like to use for your terminal tackle? Terminal tackle. So <laughs> a lot of a lot of it's going to depend on uh, you know if if you're in that shallow section of the lake and and you know there's some large tigers or some aggressive rainbows. You know some of these fish take different tackle to get them to strike. Your rainbows might be in the upper column of that six to eight foot water where you might run like a uh, silver and blue minnow looking fish. Um, one of them, my favorite is the Mac lure. If I'm going to be targeting tiger trout or Eastern Brook, they may go deeper, maybe a little darker color, but I wouldn't rule out like the neon green colors and the chartreuse. Sometimes those are very effective as well. So I, I, uh, yeah, try and match up the fish with the food that they're eating, whether it's, uh, you know, crayfish on the bottom or whether it's the minnows cruising along that oxygen level right up under the ice so a couple of different ways to look at it exactly and and i like that too you know bobby loomis always says match the hatch you know it's regardless of what you're fishing for it's what the fish are eating and that's what you want to present and so you know sonic bait fish for example you can really make it look like a fish and uh you know with the the action and the colors that you can get and it's a great all-around one they have a variety of um, other lures to use as well. One of the things I like for kokanee when we fish through there are glow hooks. And you pair the glow hook with, uh, you know, like a sling blade or or even a dodger, which provides the attraction, and then corn or maggots. So do you use much in the way of bait? Yes, I do. I, I You know, when we talk about burbot or we talk about trout, uh, you always want to put some type of scent. Uh, if, if they're very skittish or sluggish that day to bite, sometimes that extra scent will get them to actually get into an aggressive mood and strike it or, or even swallow it sometimes. Uh, I, I do enjoy, for like whitefish, I do enjoy running like waxworms, maggots. Uh, but generally, I'll try and run out with uh, like the night crawlers or even some of the, the pro scent gels that they have out now for crawfish so those have been real effective out there under the ice yeah i like to use uh procure sense as well and and always add a little bit of extra especially like you said if things are you're having a hard time getting them to bite so one of the things i know that you do a lot of that i haven't had a chance to do much we tried a little bit when i was in bc but i'm curious to know about some of your techniques for targeting burbot so be two things maybe you could talk about is like where you find them and then what you use to catch them. Yeah, uh, burbot, that's one of my favorite. When I go out to a lake, I'm I'm usually gonna be hooking up with like a nighttime system where I've got some bait on it, maybe a little glow uh, attachment to it, um, glow hooks, and trying to do like a slow presentation down on the bottom. A lot of times what I've found is there those burbot are coming into the feed areas at night and they're going to be targeting that the crayfish they're going to be targeting slower minnows and so what i'm trying to do is match the vibration match basically match the hatch uh try and get that scent down there and and uh, a lot of times those burbot 
they're somewhat sluggish, but if you're consistent with a slow jig with some vibration bouncing the bottom, you, you'll end up doing very well. Yeah, that's uh, my experience. I have fished for them before in Lake Chelan, of all places, in very deep water. And we were using chicken livers, and we were jigging wow. in like 280 feet of water way on the bottom. So, you know, they are a bottom fish, and, and uh, when we were in Canada and we were going to fish for them, we did that. We went at night, and we tried some shallow water, and uh, we just didn't have any luck that particular time, but we never did it again. So, you, you know, it's just something I'd like to try, and I, I know you've, you've caught a lot of them. Compliment there, yes. Uh, and like last year was a... a very very interesting year you know uh, we were fishing 35 to 40 foot of water but but when it came down to it where we were actually working in towards where the crayfish were and we we're in in shallow water up to 12 feet so it, it just depends on the lake uh, some of the lakes like like you said they're 60 to 80 feet and that's where they're going to be they're going to be in the consistent areas where they normally feed yeah i think it kind of depends and and uh what what little i know which is very little about burbot fishing is that in the winter time they do come up more in the shallows uh versus uh the really deep water but again it's probably where the food is uh, a little sidebar what how do you like to uh, cook them up a couple of different ways uh a lot of times i'll uh either do like a fish and chip battered up or, you know, I might run them on the Traeger with a light smoke flavor and a little bit of butter along with some uh, seasonings. Uh, yeah, usually, usually that makes very good fish tacos. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, if you, if you don't know anything about burbot, you know, sometimes they're called freshwater lingcod. We all call them burbot up here in this part of the world, and uh, they're wonderful eating fish. And you kind of have to skin them a bit like a catfish. That's how I learned how to... You know, when I was a kid, that's what we did. We did catfish, and so we'd, we'd, we'd nail their heads to a post, and then we would just cut around the collar and skin them with a pair of pliers. And, and it, I found that that works great for a burbot too. But the, the meat is light, delicate, and very tasty, isn't it? It sure is. sure is. And a lot of times when we get those larger fish, we'll actually save the belly meat because there's, it, it makes for a nice, you know, presentation when you're cooking it. And very mild flavor, very it's very nice. Yeah, I know. I, I really like them as well, and we just don't catch them that much. So maybe maybe we get some better ice and you actually start getting onto some burbot somewhere. I've got to just like sprint up and join you one of these times. i got to do it. All right, so let's move on to talking about perch because that's something I, I've actually done a lot of and I like doing. And so a lot of our lakes here in north central Washington have perch. Anywhere that you ice fish pretty much around in the northwest, you can find perch. And they're kind of easy to catch, and it's a great one for kids as well. And so let's talk a little bit about perch and, and what are some of the things that you're looking for. Yeah, we, we were talking earlier about ice levels and that. I, I'm kind of thinking back two years when we hardly had any ice up at uh, Palmer Lake. And even in February, we were out in the boat catching perch in 45 to 50 foot of water. Uh, as soon as the ice came, those fish were in the same area. So we, we targeted those areas and... Uh, it's nothing like bringing bringing those uh, golden fish through the ice. It's it's uh, really enjoyable. So yeah, with with perch, uh, of course, you're you're targeting that lower water column. Very seldom in the winter do I catch them suspended right up against the ice, but but generally right in the lower two foot of water column. Sometimes I use a heavier tungsten, and I'm working that bottom, creating a cloud that'll. Uh, 
somewhat attract the fish. And uh, if, if you're fishing with your buddies, you really want to have them as close to you as you can when you're fishing because all that activity creates more fish to come in and target target the uh, the bait and the more fish you can get in at one area the longer you can hang on to them without them swimming off into another part of the lake so that's just one tactic uh, you know just trying to use that small presentation with a uh, needlefish or the the mac lure like the yellows or the gold uh, those have been real well yeah the the sonic bait fish the smallest one they make which i think is a 16th ounce are they just work wonderful for them and we find that um, like orange and black white and black those are really the great colors and we use um, maggots is that what you use for uh, generally i'll try and use nightcrawler on perch but yeah maggot or even uh, small piece of the fish skin also work well. When we were in uh, Lake Cascade in Idaho uh, fishing with Mike Hall, which was wonderful. And uh, folks, if you're if you've got a chance, go to uh, the Herod Outdoors YouTube channel and, and look for Lake Cascade Giant Perch and watch that show. You'll be amazed. I mean, we caught some just toads. And Mike Hall's a real master. And one of the things he did was he would use perch eye. And the reason that he did that is he said because the fish uh, kind of um, give off some chemical signal and gets them to come closer. Have you, have you done that before? I, I have in the past. A lot of times those are easier to stay on the hook uh, as compared to a worm that'll come off after a fish or two. Yeah. Yeah, and it kind of depends. We had um, varying success with that. We, mostly consistently I've done the best perch fishing in all the lakes around the northwest with uh, maggots, but, but uh, worms. Bobby Loomis He's got to have worms no matter where he goes, so he, he always has worms. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and and uh, you know that that gives off extra scent. That uh, something with that worm, it, it's got the right flavor for yeah. the, the general fish population. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, let's talk about a little bit with perch some techniques. So we've we've talked about terminal tackle, what we like to use for bait, and there are a variety of ways to do this. But one of the things that I found is that kind of depends on the day but they like sort of a very slow jig or sometimes even a stationary uh, lure that's correct and in washington with the two pole fishing limit uh, it makes it ideal where your second pole can actually be a dead stick on a bucket or on a you know some type of platform and then your other your other pole i, I i'm usually jigging off the bottom in a sequence trying to attract them in trying to create that cloud and feeding frenzy Meanwhile, that dead stick is, is taking some of those sluggish fish, and uh, I, I catch just as many on the dead stick as I do jigging. What do you use for electronics, or do you? I, I do. Um, mainly, I use a camera. That way, I can keep track of some of the yeah. fish behavior. The, the one I have is a Markham Recon, which yeah. I've had that a couple of years. And what I like to do is I, I like to, to put it right down there as close as I can to the jig. Uh, to the terminal gear and just try and try and figure out what I'm missing or, or what the fish behavior is like. That's exactly right. And in and, um, and the years that I've been doing ice fishing, it's my favorite thing, whether it's a Vexlar or it's uh, like what you're using. That's a really nice, yeah, really nice yep. system where you can see. But you learn so much with that because if you jig and you can see the fish coming on your electronics mm -hmm. and they move away, you're like, oh, maybe I should try holding it still or maybe I should try a little short jig so it's almost a must 
so you can really kind of crack the code. Absolutely. You know, and I'll, I'll say Bonaparte Lake is an example. Uh, when I was fishing up there, I'm running that camera right down on the bottom with different colored tungsten. And, you know, you're, you're watching these trout go overhead right up underneath the ice. And, you know, it gives you a uh, little bit of a tip to uh, try and change the tactic and try and try and catch some of the other ones. So it, it is very, very uh, helpful when you're out there. Well, that, and that's the bottom line. We want to catch some fish. So we got to learn. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and uh, it's real, it's very rewarding. You know, you get out there and, and you take your group you know, your kids and, and friends out there and, and everyone's having a great time. But yeah, it, it's a lot about, hey, how big how big of a fish can we bring through that hole? So, <laughs> so. Yeah, there's, there's nothing like that, is there, to oh. see a great big one come up through that little hole. Absolutely. You know, it, the last couple of years, um, you know, bringing a burbot through the hole, I've had them come off and, and by having a friend there to pick up that <laughs> fish out of the hole, oh man, it, it's priceless. It's just, amazing experience yeah and you got to watch out usually we punch two holes one for the electronics and one for your fishing hole and i've uh, i've watched bobby kick a fish off and have it flop and and go back down the hole yeah and 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 last year uh fishing fiddly i i had the mistake of uh stepping into one of my own slushy holes and having to pull the boot out so that was uh real interesting to to try and recover my boot from under the ice so yeah well you know, ice fishing, uh, like Chris said, is one of those things that is a great family and friends activity. And the best part is you can all kind of be in close proximity and, and it's a lot of fun, you know, just to get out on the ice and do something when you're, you know, you pretty much got cabin fever. And so you can go out and do this. So I know it's a lot of fun for me. I'm sure it is for you. It sure is. Uh, we, we get a small group of guys, we call it the coffee club. <laughs> you know, you go out on that full moon and, and, uh, it, it a lot of people call it crazy you get out there on a full moon and you're drinking coffee and enjoying sitting in the chair burbot fishing and it's 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 incredible it's it's a great experience wait a minute now special coffee uh yeah 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 maybe (laughs) (laughs) could be special coffee i don't know maybe maybe Maybe, maybe. (laughs) well we won't tell all our secrets but that's that's the other secret (laughs) you've been talking for almost 25 minutes so i'm gonna kind of let you go here but i really appreciate you taking some time visiting with us and talking about some of your tips for ice fishing and uh, i hope that uh, we actually get some ice so maybe we can get out there absolutely it's 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 been good I'm, i'm looking forward to that thanks a lot chris we'll talk to you later take care That was a good conversation with uh, Chris Marklin. Obviously, weather hasn't cooperated, but uh, a bunch of really good tips in there in different uh, areas to to target some of these fish in the state through the ice. Yeah, it was fun visiting with him and kind of hear where he likes to go and what he likes to do. And we talked about a whole bunch of things. And as Bobby knows, he really likes to burbot fish. And so it was fun to hear him get excited about that. Oh, get it off my hook. Get it off my hook. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? There's a lot of people that, that actually really love targeting bourbon. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the state record is right there out of his backyard <clears throat> yeah. in, in Palmer Lake. Right. 
you know, and we've got people don't realize that we've got burbot throughout the Columbia system, and mm-hmm. uh, predominantly up here in the upper end. You've got burbot in almost all of these impounds oh, yeah. around here. So, oh, well, yeah. they all came out of the Columbia. Yeah. So, well, you know, and they're in Lake Chelan too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's absolutely. where I first fished for them. Yeah. It like that 247 feet. <laughs> we, we, we used to fish for them with a, with a uh, the set, set line. lines. Yeah. yeah, I wish we could still do that because when I first moved here and I found out about that, yeah, I thought, man, that's cool. Fish for burbot with a set line. And so I set up myself a little trout line, you know, and had a buoy and I had an old reel. It was like, now I can bring it all back up and I could set it out. And then they, then they said, you can't do it no more. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, that sucks. I got all this stuff set up. And that, I'm just ready ma- to do it. that just makes it better. That makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> we used to, uh, we tried to jig for Max a few times. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, every time we try to jig for Max, we catch bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. The thing well, I learned about them when you jig, especially at that depth, is you can't make big movements. You no, need you no. need to kind of go slow, pause a lot because they're kind of lethargic. And so part of the reason we weren't catching them is we were jigging too fast, too too much too much, move, too much we, movement. Yep. And then once we slowed down, and just gave a little jig and then let it set, little jig, let it set. Then we started catching them and it was fun. You know what? One of the funnest ways that I found to do it that was uh, different is I actually drop shotted for them. Oh, great idea! Yeah foot and a half up put a white jig tip it with a little piece of bait mm-hmm. you know a glow jig and then uh, put a three or four ounce lead on and drop it down yeah. just just twitch it a little bit yeah just twitch it yeah that probably worked great yeah it worked fantastic as long as the wind's not blowing. i did a yeah. <laughs> i did a seminar with uh eric magnuson last year talking all about you know pacific northwest ice fishing and you know he's obviously also heavily into targeting the burbot through the ice and he was typically just throwing down a big three quarter ounce or, you know, half ounce sonic bait fish and glow orange and, you know, them being lethargic, just smashing it into the, the, the dirt down there, yeah. leaving it and quick little twitches and then bringing it up. And it worked extremely well. Yeah. I, I fished for them just a few times, but I could see how you might get interested in doing it. Well, you know, they're bigger, they're I mean, bigger fish yeah. and, you get them in the shallows at, at night when sure. you're ice fish. So there's there's some things about it that are different than what we normally do, and so yeah. I could see how you could get interested in it. And they're I think they eat pretty well personally. Yeah, I yeah. What kind of burbot recipes you got? Well, I would just treat them like any of the other white fish. The ones that we sure. have for walleye or perch, I would use those same recipes on our website for yeah. for burbot. It'd yeah. be delicious. I mean, really, quite frankly. I think the best way to eat a burbot fillet is beer battered, deep fried, just like you would fish and chips, because it's that's what it's like. Yeah, you had me a beer. <laughs> Why do you guys sit here and indulge, and I'm adulting? <laughs> yeah, I listen to him. Yeah, so yeah. Good. Since when is he adulting? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. He's there's something really wrong. Yeah, right? exactly. Just... Hey, that that's what happens when you move. He and he even. <laughs> answered my text message this morning at like 6 15 in the morning yeah yeah he answered he, mine at 6 30 he was alive i know because <laughs> well, i i wake up to the sound of shotguns every morning yeah uh, <laughs> that's a beautiful thing <laughs> yeah it's not terrible uh i am out of coffee i'm gonna have to get more coffee so let's jump into some news and notes uh before we we sign off here when we were getting ready to go duck hunting uh what like two months ago or a month and a half ago now 
I was asking Bobby, where do I get a duck stamp? I get a duck stamp. And uh, in town, Bobby went to a couple different places. And didn't you get one of the last ones they had yeah. over at Hooked on Toys? Yeah. Jeez. Well, I figured out that you really don't have to. You know, I don't need to buy a duck stamp in the state of Washington. I just need to get a duck stamp from somewhere in the United States. Yeah, it's a, yeah it's a so federal. I was able to purchase it from Idaho. And, uh, you know, then you have a 45-day period where that duck stamp is valid as just a printed out e-stamp essentially. And then, you know, they mail you your actual duck stamp, which you put on your license and have to sign the federal government actually just changed that law to make these e-stamps completely valid for the entire year, which is really cool. You still end up getting a physical stamp that, um, but you can basically just use your smartphone and show it as a, uh, being a valid duck stamp now. So that's one thing that they passed uh, recently. I guess that was in late December that uh, our commander-in-chief passed into law. Oh, well, that's actually a pretty good thing. Yeah. I mean, then you could... Uh, there's a lot of people like to collect duck stamps. And, you know, when you yeah. when you get your duck stamp, you got to put it on your license and then sign over the top of it. So that's not a very good collector's item. So yeah. if you just got your stamp and kept it for a collector's item and then had your e-stamp i think it's great i mean the state of oregon all their stuff's e electronic yeah your mm -hmm. license your tags everything so why not i guess well, it's kind of it'd be a lot better than packing around it's handy yeah because you know if you all of a sudden you're like oh crap i forgot to get that you could buy it online have it on your phone you're done that's what i've done with the yeah. oregon stuff but anyway that's cool yeah yeah so that uh makes things easier and you know keeps the like you said the there's that they do an art contest for the the duck stamp every year and that's all of that goes back into conservation so all of that stays alive and it makes it easier for people to access the duck stamp and be able to get out and go hunt so thought that was pretty cool the other thing i thought was very cool and maybe some people won't is that a magazine that came out in january february issue of skeptical inquire they tout themselves as dedicated to science and reason and their entire cover is it says this bigfoot is dead they spent an <laughs> awful lot of time in this article talking about how they've they're essentially saying that bigfoot never existed that uh there's no uh here let me just read it exactly instead the most likely reason for the failure to find bigfoot is that the creature simply does not exist and that the apparent evidence for them rests mostly on mistakes hoaxes and wishful thinking this guy went in on uh, Bigfoot and it not being a thing and that uh, we need to put it to rest. Well, so I need you guys to I'm telling you this. what, he needs to talk to Mike Hall. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he needs to talk to Mike Hall. And, uh, you know, and I'm not going to say one way or another, but I personally have never seen one, but I'm not going to say they're not there. Yeah, yeah okay? he's got a story. <laughs> yeah, just, that's... just not, uh, just we'll leave it at that. Yeah, I'm not gonna we say don't know, we don't. We don't have enough time to go through Bobby's story of his uh, Bigfoot experience or whatever that was. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's been a. I there's no reason not to believe in Bigfoot. I'll be honest. There's no reason. It, it's uh, obviously in our neck of the woods. It, growing up, you know, Bigfoot's always been a part of the conversation. Anytime you're out in the woods, so um, skeptical inquire respectfully. Go after yourself. <laughs> I think I think it's possible. Anything's well. Let me put it this way: it's 
it's probable. It's very low probability. <laughs> but uh, the thing about it is, is that we just haven't found any concrete evidence like other than tracks. They're, no, they're no good. No crap, no hair. But, but, but tracks are tracks. Well, I know, but no skeleton. Something makes that track. No okay. really good video. I mean, there's a lot of things like that, but I don't see why it isn't possible, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. The government literally came out and said we had aliens during COVID and no one flinched. Like, there's yeah. aliens, there's UFOs, they've, there's documented evidence of UFOs. You can tell me that there's no Bigfoot. Right. Get out of here. Yeah. Tell them to take a hike. Yeah. I've heard, I have so many, I, me personally, I don't, I don't have any of those experiences, but I know enough people who had some pretty freaky experiences that make you go, yeah, something's there. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I also don't have any experiences, and uh, that means I just need to get, get out in the woods more because I am craving experience like that. So No, you're not. It goes along with it goes along with <laughs> no, my no, my interest no, in writing not. out category five hurricanes and trust me, no, you're not. You don't want <laughs> you don't want that experience. He says. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, so, skeptical <laughs> inquire. Yeah, yeah. Skeptical inquire. Uh, go check it out and uh, be sure to send them an email and let them know your thoughts on it. And uh, <laughs> so that's that's all I got. It's a, it's been a slow news period. Uh, we had a lot of time between recording, but I got Bigfoot and duck stamps, and uh, that's what I I have for us today. <laughs> that's beautiful. It hey, is. Yeah. You know what? Is all that matters is we can go bird hunting this weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna try to. Well, it's gonna be two degrees, so yeah, I know I might wait a little bit. I'm not. I'm going. <laughs> I'm going. Because if I wait, it it will surely warm up and everything will melt and yeah. the Bambi will be out in the meadow and butterflies and stuff yeah. like that. And you know, I'm not waiting. I'm going. All right, there you have it. We're going. Bobby, it sounds like Bobby's going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little too cold for richie so uh we are going to take off i'm going to go refill my coffee we have some more work to do around here but until next week or two weeks from now we'll talk to you later <laughs>